0: coffee talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee and I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. I want to encourage you to be unwavering. Unwavering leads to being unshakable. Unshakeable leads to fulfillment of purpose in your life. That that yes, I, I have a podcast I just recently did about God's yes in our life. That's fulfillment, that's purpose. I'm kind of staying on that. Put God's yes before your eyes. Write it down. Remind yourself. When you feel doubt coming in, when you feel frustration coming in, or weariness coming in, disappointment trying to creep in, remind yourself and God and the devil of what Isaiah 55, 11 tells us. And this is a promise from God. This is God's word to us. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. See, we can't cancel out God's word or his plans, but what we can do is stop them from flowing through us. We can cancel ourselves out as the conduit for those plans. Don't negate your role in God's plans being fulfilled through your life. He's going to fulfill the end game. Our choices will not deny other people. They just won't. God won't let that happen. Will our intended part in God's end game be through us? That's up to us. If you don't take back the permission that you have given God to do and have his way in your life, the permission you gave him, then you will see purpose fulfilled. You know, I've I've often wondered this. Right, so we we have the story in the Bible where the angel of the Lord, he appears to Mary and he tells her she's gonna be with child. And, you know, she's confused, but she agrees to it. She gives her yes, she gives her nevertheless. So I've often wondered, was that the first person the angel of the Lord appeared to? Was Mary God's first choice or his fifth choice? We'll never know. Could be the angel of the Lord appeared to five other young girls before Mary that were just as virtuous as her, but they got fearful and they said, no, I don't know. It's just a thought I have. I don't have any theology to back that up, but there's no scripture that says one way or the other. But I've wondered that was Mary the very first choice or had he gone to others before and they said no, because God will not force his way. I mean, do you want to look over one day and know somebody else is walking in the fulfillment of what God intended for you, what God meant for you? Once you yield to the Lord, don't ever take it back. Once you ask him to have his way in your life and you give yourself away, don't ever take that back. Keep standing. Put on that whole armor of God that Ephesians 6 talks about. I promise you this, if you do your part, God will most definitely do his part, and you will walk in the fullness of everything he intended you to walk in. Just standing and remaining and contending and being unwavering will empower us. It will give us strength to walk in the fulfillment of all God has for us. That's why the word of God says in Ephesians 6 having done all the stand, stand. Firm, stand therefore. It's not easy, but yet that standing comes with rest. Rest is a conduit for strength and power because God pours it into us. So as we're standing, therefore, from a place of rest, he's pouring into us. Every time God has given you a word, God has shown you, he's given you a dream, he's given you a vision, whatever it is, he's revealed part of your purpose in in. His whole end game, his whole plan, when he's done that, when he's opened a door for us to walk through, that doesn't go unnoticed by the devil. And he kicks things into motion, too. That's why we're warned to not be weary in our well-doing. That's why we're warned to have on the whole armor of God. That's why we're warned to pray at all times in the Spirit. He's the greatest of adversaries, and he will he will unleash Many adversaries on us, even ourselves, actually, to get us to what? Give up in our well-doing. And I've said this before. If he can't destroy you, he'll distract you. It doesn't matter to him which one, as long as you're not walking in the fullness of God's purpose. Why does he want us to give up? Because he knows if we don't give up, we reap in our due season. We walk in the fullness. The devil knows the word of God right? There's a scripture verse that says the demons even believe and tremble. The only way for us to reap in our due season is if we do not give up, if we do not faint, if we do not become weary, if we do not let, do not give permission to being burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And instead we stay in that place of letting ourselves stand firm, giving ourselves permission to remain in freedom, giving God permission to move in our lives, dressed in the whole armor of God. It's up to us through Christ. And if he can't destroy you, he certainly wants to distract you. I mean, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, this is Paul speaking, and I love this, and it's for us. For a wide door for effective work has opened up to me, and there are many adversaries. I mean, we're being warned here. There's many, not a few, not one or two, many. They're just going to, that's why you need that shield of faith. Those are the fiery dots. They're going to keep coming. But we line this up with the Isaiah 55, 11 that I spoke of just a few minutes ago that says my word that goes out of my mouth, it's not coming back to me empty. It's going to accomplish what I purpose. Yeah, great. A wide and effective door has been opened to me and there are many adversaries, but you know what? God's word's not coming back to him unaccomplished. And if I'll stand and stand firm, it'll be through me. If I put on the whole armor of God, if I yield that shield of faith and I never speak in agreement with adversaries, if I renew my mind daily in the word, if I yield the sword of the word, how God intended it to be, telling the adversary that it is written, not allowing the adversary to have me flip a scripture like he tried to get Jesus to do, not to flip a scripture to, to benefit me, right? If I put on that belt of truth, if I walk in that integrity in that character in that breastplate of righteousness, if I'm always prepared with the gospel of peace to speak boldly and proclaim the truth of God's word, if I do all these things, And I understand that there are going to be many adversaries, but God's word's greater than any adversary because it does not return to him unaccomplished. And he's given us all power and dominion by the blood of Jesus. But we do have to understand we've been given power because we'll need power. We've been given strength because we'll need strength because we're going to have a battle. We're going to have to go forth to see the fulfillment of purpose. We're going to have to be anchored To go forth, just like you have to rest while you're standing. See, we make the mistake when God reveals a purpose, reveals a plan, reveals a calling, reveals an intent he has for us. We think the red carpet's going to be rolled out and it's going to be easy street and that just does not take place. That's where we get duped sometimes. And then when the struggles come in, right, the refining of our hearts come in, we're frustrated We have to understand there's many adversaries. Anytime there's potential to be really used by God, there will be not just a few, but many adversaries. And our human nature is the moment we experience opposition, problems, resistance, naysayers, talkers, gossipers, whatever, fill in the blank. When these moments arise and we think, we think something's wrong, and we turn and we run. We look for an alternate route because we don't like to be uncomfortable. And like I've said before, God does not care about our comfortableness. Be unwavering. Be steadfast. The unwavering leads to being unstoppable, unshakable. Unstoppable and unshakable leads to fulfillment of purpose in our lives. Yield to the Lord over and over and then over one more time. If you have to, doesn't matter how many times it takes. I want you to know this today. Anytime God gives a word, an unwavering yes will be required of us. Not a momentary yes. It's one thing in the moment of the goosebumps and the feel good and the worship and all this stuff and you get a word and all that and you're feeling great to say yes. Where's your yes on Thursday? Where's your yes three years from that day? Where's your yes if you have to wait 10 years? What if you get put unjustly in prison for two years like Joseph did? Where's your yes then? How's your heart then? I want to encourage you, when you're feeling opposition, resistance, when you're feeling frustration, disappointment, hurt, it doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It means you're right on track and just keep on going. I want to encourage you that if you've experienced a rough road, if it just feels like every time you go around a corner, there's another difficult season and you fought off disappointment in your heart over and over, you fought off despair, you fought off frustration, maybe you fought off physical pain, emotional pain, whatever it is, if there's been this continual fighting for you, God's purpose still remains. The contending, the waiting, the struggle is not an indication that he has removed his plans for your life in any capacity. His promises, his fulfillment are in his due season. Our portion is to not get weary in that. And remember, like Galatians 6, 9 tells us, we will reap if we don't faint, if we don't sit down, if we don't give up. And you know, this is, and what do we, we'll reap a bountiful fruit. We'll reap the fulfillment of purpose. And this is something that is an awesome thing about God. And it seems like we wait forever. It seems like it goes on and on and on and oh my gosh. But you know what? When God says, now you're ready, now's the fulfillment. It's like, it's now and it's quick. That now is quick. That now becomes a suddenly. And then all of a sudden, it's a quick work. And we feel like it came upon us quickly. We've been contending and we've been fighting and battling. And sometimes we've just been standing and we've done all we can do to stand. And we're still standing and we're praying in the spirit because we don't even know how to pray anymore. But we're look, also looking around like, okay, where is he? Where is God? We're checking over our shoulder. We're looking down the street, right? Where is it? Where's that purpose? Where's that plan? Where's that promise? But then when he goes, now... It's quick. And we're like, wow, that was really fast. Where'd that come from? Now all the waiting seems to disappear. And it feels like it was a quick work. All the stuff was worth it now in the fulfillment of it. The best comparison that I can give it to is like childbirth. Like a woman carries a child for nine months. Her body goes through all kinds of changes. And I know some have it more difficult and some have it easier right? It's it's the same thing in our walks with the Lord, but it's still nine months. And then labor comes in and it's hard and it's painful. And there's a lot of pushing and contending. And then the baby comes out and it's placed in the mother's arms. And not that she forgets everything. She doesn't forget. It's like, not like she's like, oh, did anything happen? But it doesn't matter anymore. That baby, that love, that fulfillment of holding that child is worth it. That's why mothers have more children. I mean, if you think about it, going into it the second time, now they know what they're in for, but they still choose to do it because the fulfillment of purpose is worth those long nine months, all the uncomfortableness, all the loss of sleep, all the physical struggle, And then the straight up pain of labor, it's worth it when we hold that baby. It's the same exact thing with the fulfillment of God's purpose in our life. When God has said now, and it's quick, it's suddenly, everything will seem worth it. That's how it is when you see a yes of God fulfilled in your life. Remember, his word will not return to him unaccomplished. It cannot be voided out. So the question is, will it be through you? And so I talked about three, I talked about many adversaries, and I wanted to kind of give you an example of what some adversaries may look like. I mean, there's so many potential adversaries out there. The list could be a mile long. But I just wanted to throw three out there that I thought of that I feel like, most everybody, regardless, has to deal with these kind of adversaries. So this is to me what some adversaries or just a few could look like of the many that we have to contend with. I'll start with us, self. Yes, we are one of our adversaries, and we can either fight against ourselves or for ourselves in the thing of the things of the Lord. Old habits, right? We want what we want when we want it, right? The scripture says that that You know, why Why does the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? You know, I don't do what I want to do. I do what I shouldn't do, right? That's a battle. That's self. We're our own adversary, right? E- even just... Not even in actions like, we. so what about stubbornness? We're, we're set in our ways where we're, we want to be right, you know, or we are independent. We don't need God or, or we don't need other people that he's trying to bring into our lives. You know, we tell God how it's going to be. Are we a new creation or are we not a new creation? Has the old passed off and the new been put on or not? What has God said, not what do I want? We have to allow ourselves to be bendable and moldable and pliable to the word of God. If we're allowing ourselves to be an adversary against ourselves, then we're not being bendable. The word says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That word delight in that scripture means be bendable, be pliable. Let God mold you into what he purposed you to be what his intent was. Let him do that. Another adversary beyond self is others. Jealousy. Comparison, right? So it can be us jealous of others or it can be others jealous of us. It can be us comparing ourselves to others. It can be others comparing themselves to us and then trying to not let us advance in God's purpose, right? Don't try and copy anybody, you know, whatever, whatever they're right. They call that plagiarism in the professional world. Um, you're you, you're individual. He doesn't need another one of them. He doesn't need another this or that. He needs what he put in you. There may be similarities, but there are differences too. You know, years ago, this is years ago, about 15 years ago, someone asked me, I had, I had spoken to a group of women and someone asked me afterwards, do you see yourself like this person? They were talking about a female preacher or this person. And the question kind of surprised me and my response was just honest. I said, well, I see myself as Linda Davis because that's who I am. See, God doesn't need another this person and he doesn't need another this person, no. The reason Linda is here is because he needs Linda. Now, wow, he needs Linda. You put your name there. He needs you. That's why he created you. God needs you. And he needs you to be uniquely you. Be uniquely you. Don't compare yourself to others and don't let others tell you how you're supposed to be. Don't let them box you in. Don't let them crowd you in. No, what has God said, right? Sometimes others even, as far as adversaries, can be very well-intentioned, but they're distracting us. They're misguiding us. Maybe they're even giving us empty promises because they have a plan, but it's not God's plan. No, what has God said? And stay on that path, that path where the door for effective ministry was opened to Paul, but there were many adversaries. Stay in that place for that wide door, for effective work. If it's going to be effective, it's going to have to be what God said it was supposed to be. And here's another really big adversary, unforgiveness. We cannot, we cannot move beyond our last place of unforgiveness. We're stuck there. We may not realize it. But we are. How do we know? Because it keeps coming back up. Maybe in other forms, but it keeps coming back up. It might come in a, up in a behavior, but the root issue is something of unforgiveness. Maybe you're very impatient. Maybe you get angry easy. Maybe you close off to people quickly. You know. Maybe you're not transparent with people. Uh, maybe you don't let people in very easily. Maybe you don't make friends easily. Some stuff we got to stop blaming on our personality and understand that that's a symptom of a deeper wound of unforgiveness in our lives. Why do we respond this way? How do we respond? Why do we do this? You know, things that we know aren't like, let's say the fruit of the spirit. They aren't patient, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? They aren't, uh, they aren't being, I'm not sure which ones I said. So anyhow, we have to sometimes, and I've done it too. Oh, that's just my personality. That's just how, no, that's an excuse. That's actually a behavioral symptom that's trying to show you a root. And it's probably unforgiveness. Something you got to dig out. Unforgiveness is a huge adversary. Sometimes we act and react in certain ways because we have a deep-rooted hurt. You cannot go beyond your last place of unforgiveness. If we have unforgiveness from past areas of our lives, that's what the devil's coming for, and that's what he will use time and time again to trip us up. It will be an adversary for us will trip us up in our now to rob us of our purpose in the future. I promise you this, the devil does not want you in your due season. But you holding your yes in your arms, it'll be worth it all. It'll be worth every single minute of it. And you know, one thing that I find interesting and we can use a lot of biblical examples is a lot of times what the devil tries to use as our adversaries, what the devil tries to use like he did with Jesus on the mountain as our temptation, right? And another great example is Joseph. And I'm not going to go through his whole life story, but Joseph's a great example of the devil trying to stop fulfillment of purpose that actually each, each adversary, the devil brought against Joseph actually elevated him to the very place God needed him to be to fulfill his purpose, right? He uses his adversaries to get him in that place of fulfillment really quick. You know, Joseph went from being the favored son to being sold by his brothers, to being brought into the pot, into the, into Potiphar's of his house. To being rejected again by Potiphar and falsely accused, rejection over and over Joseph experienced. And we don't know what his process was, but we do know this. He kept his heart pure, he kept his heart in forgiveness, and he did not yield to the adversary of self, the adversary of others, or the adversary of unforgiveness. We can see that streamed all through his life. He didn't do it. Was he hurt? Yes. Was he unforgiving? No. Clearly he was. He still had hurt with his brothers because now when he's in the palace and they come before him, he turns. He turns and weeps because he's hurt, but he did not have unforgiveness. Otherwise he would be bitter and he would not have been in God's favor and placed in the position he was placed in. I mean, he was forgotten. He was overlooked until what? His due season. And by the way, this really lines up because his due season, when it was his due season, when um, when the, the chief cupbearer and the baker, I think it was the chief cupbearer, when he remembered to Pharaoh that Joseph had interpreted a dream in which two years had gone by, when he finally remembered it, uh, Pharaoh sends for Joseph and the scripture says that he sent for him quickly. He asked for him to come up quickly after all he'd been through, right? This is in Genesis 41, verse 14. Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. They'd been waiting a long time, and now it's a quick quick work. And Joseph knew what to do in that moment. Don't miss that either. He shaved, and he quickly got dressed. And Joseph, to me, he never got pitiful. And you know what? He could have. And been justified. I mean, we got Potiphar's wife falsely accusing him after his brothers have basically thrown him in a pit and then decided, no, let's bring him back. They were going to leave him for dead just because they were jealous. There's There's the adversary of others and jealousy coming in. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for Joseph to keep his heart right, but he didn't give in to self. He didn't give in to self when Potiphar's wife tried seducing him. I'm sure she was a beautiful woman. And he was a man. And I'm sure that wasn't easy for him. It wasn't like, oh, no, no, okay. No, I'm sure things were stirred up a little. But he did what was right, right? He stayed in the armor of God. He kept that breastplate of righteousness on. He kept that belt of truth on. He made the right choices. And what seemingly happened? Seemingly making the right choice seemingly cost him a demotion. But it didn't. It was really a testing for him of will he keep his heart right over and over again, which it will be for us. And Joseph did, and he saw fulfillment. So if we do, we will see fulfillment too. Don't miss that Joseph kept his heart right. And when it was his due season, because he had not become weary, after all he'd been through, he had not fainted. He remained ready. He kept his mind renewed his ear to the heart of God. That's powerful. I mean, once Joseph gets to the palace, things start moving quickly. The dream starts playing out pretty quickly. And Joseph saw the fulfillment of the very dream God gave him in his life. And God used his adversaries to position him to fulfill the very dream. Joseph's determination to not let anything else do one of two things to him. He didn't, any of this could have destroyed him. He refused to let that happen. Any of this could have distracted him. He refused to let that happen also. And I'm sure he spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time pouring his heart out to God. And he remained always, everything, everywhere, all the time, In the favor of God. Joseph's faithfulness, his continued unwavering, his continued determination, his continued faithfulness and standing firm no matter what produced, caused, delivered in a birthing process the fulfillment of God's purpose for his life. It was manifested. God's purpose was manifested in Joseph by Joseph's faithfulness. So God and Joseph worked together, both remaining faithful, both seeing the fulfillment of purpose.